This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, June 1st, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor BJ Colangelo. Hi, 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 yeah. All right, BJ, let's get into it. What have you been doing recently? So I'm not going to show my hand too much, but I will be having a piece coming out in time with the Barbie movie release where I am digging really deep into the history and the lore of Barbie. I've been watching a lot of the direct-to-DVD movies. There are 42 of them, in case anyone was curious. Holy Um, cow. (laughs) So I am just kind of living my Barbie fantasy right now, which has been great. And I've been doing that in between guesting on a lot of other film podcasts. Um, I was recently on one called 1999 The Podcast, where they talk about movies from 1999. And I talked about American Movie, uh, an incredible documentary, if you've Mm. not seen it um and recently did an episode that'll come out in a few months for podcast like it's and i think they're doing 1992 right now so we talked about john woo's hard boiled a movie that i am a very loud champion of Mm -hmm. uh so i've just been kind of all of my free time is fun but is also like sort of tangentially related to work at this point yeah yeah that's the um the cross we bear bj getting into uh you know the the entertainment journalism profession and like basically making watching movies and tv shows and talking about them all the time part of our daily (laughs) daily work life so it's really hard not to watch a movie and then immediately think like well how can i pitch this yeah (laughs) yep that's the uh the curse that we all have um 
So something that is not cursed, uh, how's that for a terrible transition? Uh, <laughs> my mom just retired from, uh, she was an elementary school teacher uh, for 19 years, past 19 years, and she just retired. So um, my sister and her husband drove up from Central Florida to uh, help celebrate my mom's retirement at the end of last week. Um, and that was like, a it's a big moment for her because she's just been, uh, you know, grinding it out, working the whole time through. And now it's like, endless summer. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for her. And uh, I know she listens to the podcast sometimes. So Aww, hi, congratulations, mom. Congratulations, Ben's mom. <laughs> and as somebody who used to teach elementary school, Godspeed. Because <laughs> I know that is hard. In 19 yes. years, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's jump into what we've been reading. What have you been reading recently, BJ? I am currently reading the book Girls Make Movies by Mallory O'Meara and Jen Vaughn. Uh, Mallory O'Meara also wrote the books The Lady from the Black Lagoon and Girly Drinks. Um, she also does like Reading Glasses podcast. So she she's kind of like a figure that exists, I think, for a lot of like film genre people. You might recognize the name. But uh, Girls Make Movies is what we what i what i believe is the first uh choose your own adventure non-fiction book um and what it is is it is a guide geared towards uh middle grade uh young girls on how to make a movie so you know you you go through the book and there's all these resources on how to make a movie what what does it take what do you need to know uh what resources do you need available and you can kind of choose your own adventure to like make your own movie. And sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes you go over budget. Sometimes uh, something doesn't work out and you have to start over again. But it's a really fascinating read, even though it's meant for younger readers. I've been having so much fun with it. And it is such a love letter to movies and an attempt to try and foster a love of making movies uh, for young girls and all of the different production roles that that entails. That sounds awesome. So I'm I'm a little confused about exactly how it works. Like when you say you go over budget, like what does that look like on on the page? Because so, is it is it an instruction manual for like okay, turn to page thirty seven. Um, yeah, now so it's time it's, to do this, and then like you're actually you know as the reader is supposed to get out there and actually do the thing. I mean, you can you can use it as like a, a practical guide, or you can just do it as kind of like a little adventure for yourself through the book. But you know, you can go to a page and it'll be like, okay, well, what kind of movie do you want to make? If you want to make a horror movie, you go to this page and then you go to that page and it's like okay do you want to make practical effects or do you want cgi and if you want cgi then you go to this page and then there's all the information on like what kind of team you're going to need to hire or what kind of resources you're going to need in order to make that happen um it's really fantastic and a lot of fun and jen vaughn's illustrations are really cool and they're really inclusive as well so there's all types of different people and bodies uh presented so there's probably a character that every girl can look at and be like oh that's what i want to look like when i grow up or oh that's what my aunt looks like um it's a blast. I love this book and I'm going to buy it for every little girl in my life for Christmas. So sorry yeah. to spoil your gifts. You're all getting it. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a perfect gift. What a cool concept for a book. That's that's amazing. Yeah, um, it's, it's great. called Girl, Girls Make Movies. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes so people can check that out themselves. Um, all right, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, BJ, I watched all of Jury Duty, the show on um, Freebie, which is Amazon's free ad-supported uh, tier. 
And uh, I'm sure I'm, I feel like I'm fairly late to the game on jury duty. The show sort of like popped mm-hmm. off in a big way, I don't know, a month or so ago, and I'm just now getting around to it. So maybe our listeners have already heard of this, but maybe there are some folks out there who don't know what this is. And it's basically a, I, I don't really like reality TV just to, to start to, um, you know, I guess, uh, foreground this conversation. I worked in reality TV for a long time. So like the quote unquote magic has been ruined for me. Um, and so I haven't really watched any anything that I would call reality TV in gee, like well over a decade at this point. Uh, but Jury Duty is kind of a reality show and and kind of not. I mean, it's it, it's a reality show, but not in like the uh, ultra annoying formulaic ways that mm-hmm. um, a lot of <laughs> reality shows can can fall into. So the basic premise is. Uh, there's one guy and his name is Ronald Gladden. He's an, an unsuspecting person who seems to have signed up for, um, to, to be a part of a filmed, um, documentary style project about the process of what it's like to go be on a jury and like sit there and deliberate and do the whole, the whole thing start to finish. Um, and he thinks that he is on a real case, but every single person in the jury, the judge, all of the, uh, the bailiffs, the, you know, everybody else that he interacts with over this entire process is an actor. And, uh, James Marsden plays himself like a, a sort of, um, heightened version of himself. Uh, and he is on the, the jury as well. Um, and it is just a, an absolute delight of a show. I think it's eight episodes and, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic because it's, it starts out very low key. And then, um, over the course of the episodes, situations just escalate to, uh, ridiculous levels. And it really feels like this dance of like how these filmmakers, the people behind orchestrating the show in like a Truman show esque fashion, how far they'll be able to stretch, uh, this concept without sort of tipping off this this lead guy um, that he's actually a part of like a an elaborate ruse. So um, it's it's so much fun and it's really like you know I think some of that might sound on paper like it's kind of a prank show or something and it's not really like that at all. It's much more uh, good hearted than that. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that I, I sort of came away really appreciating from the show is just like the the good natured aspect of it. And it really just feels like sort of a warm hug of a show, almost like shades of like a a parks and rec in that kind of, in that kind of way a little bit. Um, So I know you've watched this as well, BJ, what what, what are your jury duty thoughts? Oh, I love this show so much. And I'm with you. I was really skeptical at first because shows like Joe Millionaire, I think kind of ruined the like one guy knows something that no one else knows or the inverse of that in this case. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been a little soured on that premise, but there is something so beautiful about this. And Ronald is kind of like just, they found lightning in a bottle with that guy. He is so incredible (laughs) uh, to watch. Um, And this is one of those shows where I feel like people are going to want more of it, but I don't want it. Like it's such a perfect season. I want it to just stay here and not get sullied in any way because it is you're right when you said it's a delight it is such a delightful watch it's so funny but it never feels mean-spirited and I wish that more reality show felt like this because a lot of it is super mean-spirited but this isn't and it's just a it's a very comfy watch yeah yeah totally and I'm just I'm not even sure how more episodes would even work because the the final episode of jury duty is like pulling the curtain back to uh to ronald the the main guy and like explaining 
you know, everything that, that happened and like introducing him to the, the real people, the, the actors that he was sort of co-starring with this whole time. And like, um, it's all really, it, there's, there's no way that they can, they could do it again to the same guy. Um, so, and, and like you said, he is sort of like this, um, this, uh, unicorn figure of like the perfect guy with like the, the perfect temperament for this kind of project, because this could have gone, off the rails in so many different ways if they had somebody, you know, the wrong person at the center of the show. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I feel like leave well enough alone and just, uh, you know, have it exist as this like really delightful little thing that, uh, you know, this, this nice little present that we all got and not, um, yeah. <laughs> not try to go back and like, uh, you know, stretch it beyond what it's, what it's actually capable of, of sustaining. So. Uh, yeah, it's on freebie, which means you do have to watch a couple ads during the episode, which I'm not used to as somebody who like subscribes to the upper tier things. And, uh, and you know, that, that was kind of like a, <laughs> a little bit of a reality check, but, um, mm-hmm. it wasn't too bad. It was fairly painless. I think there's only like two ads per episode or something. So, um, yeah, good stuff there. Jury duty on freebie. And then, uh, I think you and I both, uh, BJ watched the American gladiators documentary, which Hell has yeah. aired <laughs> over, <laughs> over the past two nights on ESPN. And I think you, you can probably stream it now on ESPN plus if you have a subscription to that. Um, but, uh, so uh, why don't you tell me what you thought BJ about, about the American gladiators documentary of this two part, uh, series. So full disclosure, I am obsessed with American gladiators. Um, every once in a while, Pluto TV will have a channel just dedicated to reruns of American gladiators and I will watch it nonstop. I have a vintage like plastic Gemini mask that is, is decoration in my house. Cause I love American gladiators. Wow. I really liked the documentary series. I think it could have gone harder personally. Um, mm-hmm. but I I've kind of accepted that these ESPN docs, um, especially when they're dealing with anything like an American Gladiators or anything that they do with like WWE, uh, they do sanitize it a little bit because you don't want to go really hard into some of like the questionable ethics of a show like American Gladiators. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wish it would have went a little harder, but as somebody who has such an affinity for the show, I love seeing the behind the scenes stuff and kind of learning more about it. I just, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I grew up watching the show, but haven't really thought about it, you know, since I was ki- a kid. Um, so this was really illuminating for me in terms of like how it came to be. And like the the origin story of American Gladiators is, is pretty fascinating. I feel like this is one of those things that like, even if you don't particularly have a relationship to the show um, or don't even really like sports that much, this is just a fascinating story about um, control and like shaping narratives. And like, there's this guy at the center of it named Johnny Ferraro. He's like, he's like this, um, Vegas figure. He, he was an Elvis impersonator who mm-hmm. ended up, uh, sort of wresting control uh, of this, uh, of the, the name, the, the sort of, um, brand of American gladiators. And like the, the, over the course of these two episodes, you find out the links that he went to, to, in order to, uh, get the show made over the years and like his um, ambition and sort of single-minded drive to get this thing done, but also like the relationships that he left in his wake in order to achieve that goal and the personal um, toll that took on his life. And uh, he's kind of, yeah, a really like fascinating figure that I feel like 
people might be interested in like hearing a story like that, even if you didn't particularly care for. Oh, totally. Um, the I think people love angle. love these like carny characters, as I will call them, like the Johnny Ferraros, the the Joe Exotics, the Vince McMahon's of the world. Like it's all carny. Like that's what it is. And the mm. fact that people like this exist are so fascinating to me. And he's yeah, he's a good one. <laughs> There's so much cool like behind the scenes footage of all of the. Um, the games and stuff too. Like I, I, they do a lot of uh, interviews with like former gladiators and former contestants, which I thought was fascinating. Um, and yeah, like the, the behind the scenes stuff, like they show a lot of the injuries and things that happen that like, I never remember seeing if they ever showed any of that stuff on TV. I doubt that they did. They probably sanitized that, you know, to an inch of his life. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like some of that stuff is just, it was just cool to see, to be like taken fully behind the curtain. Um, I do wish, like you said, that they, they would have gone a little bit harder and maybe pushed uh, for a little bit more like um, emotional clarity at the very, very end, because it, it ends in a way that I found unexpected, but kind of um, abruptly so. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, without spoilers, I'll just leave it at that. But um, yeah, a fascinating thing. Uh, you know, I think each episode is around an hour and a half. Um, so you're looking at, yeah, three hours total for the whole thing. Maybe they could have tightened that up into just like a, you know, two and a half hour movie or something like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you're looking for something that is like a, a sort of fun like uh, look behind the curtain that is like i said more than just a sports thing it's much more you know about like um america and power and like uh, man also like the idea it's especially relevant right now because of the writer strike going on um how much the show sort of was born out of the necessity to put quote-unquote reality tv on television at the time mm-hmm. when it became a big deal and also like there's a lot in there about like workers rights and like the way that um, Johnny Ferraro and some of the folks who were running the show treated the gladiators and like didn't pay them particularly well. And like all these, um, you know, big concepts that are like floating around in the headlines today are very much like at the front of mind for us um, all factor into this, this show and the story in a really good way. So um, yeah, the American gladiators documentary, I think is probably streaming on ESPN plus they, they might be doing like a, a repeat of it on ESPN. If you still subscribe to uh, a cable package or something like that as well. So um, sounds like BJ and I both recommend that you check that out. Um, BJ, what else have you been watching? So I watched the Letterkenny holiday special Uh, between the seasons. They always do a different holiday. And this time it was for Victoria Day. Uh, And it is, if you like Letterkenny, you'll like the special is the best way that I'll describe it. But it did introduce uh, characters from Australia and New Zealand and have them doing like sort of argumentative quick wordplay. But it's instead of it being so painfully Canadian, like in Letterkenny, it's Australian and New Zealand and it is really delightful and hilarious um, <laughs> this reminds me of like the uh, the werewolves in in the um, what we do in the shadows yes kind of thing. <laughs> it is very much like that kind of energy but with like the letter con- letter Kenny wordplay of just like battling with with wit um, <laughs> really funny there's also a great running gag with Glenn being like certified in fireworks Um Again, like if you like Letter Kenny, you'll like the holiday special. It's really funny. Um, it was also very unexpected. I love that the Letter Kenny holiday specials are always um, like weird holidays. Like they did one for International Women's Day one year. And it's like, that's like a weird day for there to be a holiday special. And I'm so glad they have it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, if you like Letter Kenny, definitely check it out. Um, and then Do you know the if other. That's on Hulu? 
It's on Hulu in the States, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and it like kind of got dropped unceremoniously. Like it just mm. was there. It was like, oh, by the way, new episode of Letter Kenny. And I was like, that's weird. Usually there's like a more to do about this. So yeah. I ended up catching it a week after it released, but you know, worth it. Always good. Yeah, excellent. Actually, before we go on, let's take a, a quick break. I forgot to do that earlier. Let's take a quick yeah, break sure. and then we'll be right back. Okay, BJ, uh, you've been watching one other thing that you wanted to talk about. I am watching the Clone High second season or reboot, whatever you want to consider it. And Lord Miller just don't miss for me. Like, I loved Clone High when it came out. Um, I was 12 (laughs) when the first season (laughs) happened. So, like, arguably, I was probably a little too young to be watching it. But I was watching John Waters movies before I was 10, so it's fine. Um, And I... (laughs) loved clone high and i really love what they're doing with this new season i like that they have successfully found a way to bridge the progress that has been made socially because the first season of clone high is very much like 2000s like birth of edgelord humor that we would see from that decade and that doesn't fly anymore Mm -hmm. and they have been really good at finding how to marry the heart of that original season but catering it towards our more like progressive and respectful sensibilities now without losing what makes the show so funny and uh, i'm just having a blast with it i think three episodes are out now and just uh it's great it's so great (laughs) that's awesome that sounds like a sort of a difficult tightrope to walk when like your show was forged in a totally different comedic era and then bringing it back when Um, almost everything has changed in such a massive way in terms of like what is um, acceptable or, or, um, you know, thought of as like uh, correct in society, I guess, or whatever. Um, Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I know that Brad was talking about this, I think earlier this week, maybe last week about um, he's going back and watching the original clone high because, because he'd never seen it in, in terms of uh, and and in advance of watching these new ones. And I've never seen any of clone high stuff at all. So uh, would you recommend that BJ, like going back to the beginning and, and, um, or do you feel like this new series is a a good enough entry point where you can just catch up with the new stuff and, and not feel like you missed too much? I think so they've done a really good job at kind of catching everybody up to speed, even if you didn't see the first season, which I really, really like a lot as well, because I think that's also difficult. Um, But if you've never seen Clone High, I think my honest suggestion would be to watch what they're doing now, get a taste for it, and then go back. Because I think something that happens a lot is when people go back to something, especially when it's like the late 90s, early 2000s, because it was such a specific time period where being edgy and offensive and in bad taste was not just encouraged it was almost mandated for a lot of stuff so if you're not familiar with it it is you it's kind of like cultural whiplash when -hmm. you watch it and you're like whoa that is really out of pocket and there are some out of pocket stuff in in the first season like just knowing that but i think it's so much more impressive when you see what they've done now and then go back to see where they like how they've managed this transition. Like mm-hmm. it's just been blowing my mind. Um, there is like a little in joke that I thought was super funny. They had a, a table at the clone high cafeteria. That's the canceled corner. And the people sitting at the canceled corner were Marilyn Manson, John Wayne, and then Mr. Sheetman. Mr. Sheetman is a teacher from the first season of clone high who was voiced by Andy Dick, somebody who has famously been canceled. So like the character doesn't talk, but I saw him at the table and I was like, you know exactly what you're doing. This is really funny. 
That's great. That sounds like, yeah, uh, classic Lord and Miller uh, humor. So oh, that, that's yeah. great. <laughs> Are they like still um, very much involved with the the creative voice here or have they like sort of passed the baton on to like other showrunners or, or what's their involvement? So they're very much still involved. Uh, they wrote, uh, co-wrote the first episode and I know that they've been uh, like executive producing and overseeing a lot of it. I think they may have written additional episodes, but they do have a writing team. Um, and they've also introduced some new voices. They've also done some recasting to be, you know, more appropriate. Uh, Krista Miller, who people know from a lot of the Bill Lawrence shows, um, she originally voiced Cleopatra on the first season. She no longer does. They gave her an entirely new character, um, which I think was really, really smart. They also introduced um, um, Ayo Itabiri from The Bear is Harriet Tubman, um, even though that character is like sort of in the first season, but not really. She's like a throwaway in the first season. Now she's like prominent this season. Mm. Um, so that I think is really cool that it just it just shows that they've grown up and they've accepted that we're in a new time and comedy's different now. But at the same time, it's still very much feels like the show jfk is still a huge douche abe lincoln <laughs> is still struggling joan of arc is still struggling and I, I just really like it they also introduced topher bus a new character who is christopher columbus but he doesn't want anyone to know he's christopher columbus because obviously christopher columbus is a genocidal monster um so it's all and he's like an edgelord online who like trolls people on tiktok it's great like it's so good wow okay well i mean if people weren't sold uh i think they are after topher bus that's great wow i like when he introduced i was like this is so good <laughs> awesome all right uh let's get into what we've been eating have you been eating any anything interesting lately so I have a confession. I am part of the problem. I don't hate Max, the streaming app. Um, the interface is still not great. There's definitely bugs. But now I have 35 seasons of Guy's Grocery Games at my disposal. So I've been watching a lot of it and then trying my hand at like <laughs> doing some of them. Um, I made like a cranberry glaze for like a Thanksgiving style burger and it was really good. <laughs> so I, again, BJ, like since I'm not a reality person, I, I don't even know what guy's grocery games is this guy fieri is this oh it is guy fieri okay, okay. so obviously okay. guy fieri is known for just being a personality and whatnot guy's grocery games in my opinion is like the best food competition show on tv for a multitude of reasons one the idea is kind of marrying it with like a supermarket sweep type thing where they have to use ingredients that you can find in a supermarket so it's not like Iron Chef where somebody has this like weird ingredient you've never heard of and cost $10 million. It's like, mm -hmm. nope, here's your challenge. Make it at a supermarket. And some of the challenges are like, you have $15 to feed five people. What are you going to do? So it's very applicable uh, to people who are watching at home. You can actually do these sorts of things, which I love. Um, but also he brings in a lot of the the chefs from like diners drive-ins and dives and to give them further exposure to help their small businesses hmm. so a lot of the competitors are people from like small town restaurants that are like like people that were like i had to sell my food truck during the pandemic because people weren't going there and it's like cool then come on my show and win 20 grand and you can buy a new food truck like yeah. Guy Fieri gets a lot of hate because he's a weird guy, but he's just, he just does so many good things. And this show is just, everything is very positive. It's very fun. And 
I feel like I can make this stuff at home. And that is a good thing because otherwise I'm just going to DoorDash everything. (laughs) So what have you made from the show? Okay, so I have made a cranberry glaze for a burger that I learned how to make. Uh, That was really good. I learned how to make a spicy peanut sauce using like Goober's uh, peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. (laughs) Wow. Um, So I've been doing that. And then my next thing that I'm going to make is somebody made a like heightened uh, take on the Elvis burger of the... um, peanut butter banana and bacon but they made it spicy and they made the banana like bananas foster so there's like rum in it too and i was like well i have to make this so (laughs) that's going to be my next project hopefully i don't burn my house down okay yeah best best of luck with that (laughs) um so that's on max and then i forgot to mention that clone high is also on max so yeah you can just hop right back and forth between those if you're uh if you're bj (laughs) (laughs) um so uh the last thing we have here, BJ, is what we've been playing. And it says on this doc that we share that you've been playing a lot of Grindstone. And I have to admit, I've never heard of Grindstone either. So what is that? So Grindstone is a video game. I'm not entirely sure which platforms it's available on. It's definitely on the Switch, which is my like main gaming console. Um, it functions similarly to like a Candy Crush or a Bejeweled sort of puzzle game. Um, but you play a Viking and you kill these like little monster things. So it's also like playful gore, as I'll call it. Like it's very cartoony. It's not gross. But when you kill things, like they bleed <laughs> and they explode. Um, and the idea is that you collect these little little diamond stones and uh, you can use those to unlock more levels and that you get bigger challenges from different monsters. And it's just it's it's a nice puzzle game, but it's fun and the music's good and the graphics are cool and it doesn't have 10 million ads popping up every second the way that a lot of the mobile games of this type do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can just kind of kill (laughs) as much time as I need to uh, just killing creeps. And and that's what they're called. The monsters are creeps. Uh, So killing (laughs) creeps and collecting stones and bones and, you know, making cool, uh, (laughs) cool battle axes and shields and potions and all things I need so I can do better in harder levels. Uh, If you like any of those types of puzzle games, this is so addictive and fun and has like a playful sensibility, but it doesn't feel like a baby game the way some of these can. Uh, mm-hmm. I I love it. It's great. Okay, yeah. So that's called Grindstone. Um, have you played uh, Tears of the Kingdom yet? The the new um, Zelda game. I have not. That is a that is going to be the game my wife uh, dives her entire life into, and then I won't see her until it's done. Um, <laughs> and luckily, she's been starting a new job, so she's not had time yet. But it's a. Uh, it's taunting us both. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've played the first game, but I've not played Tears of the Kingdom yet. Um, and I actually had to like stop, um, I don't know, about halfway through, but maybe maybe a little further than that um, because I just got overwhelmed. Like I, I reached a point where I was just like, I don't know where to go or what to do at this point because this world is so big and so expansive and so um, you have so much freedom that mm-hmm. I just like kind of. I don't know. I, I wish I had a little bit more uh, guardrails um, in that instance because uh, I just kind of like ran out of steam with the game. But maybe I'll pick it back up because I know I'm people the are same way. So I like open world games just like overwhelm me because I have too many options. Uh, before before the new one came out, my wife did like a, a replay of Breath of the Wild, and she wanted to 
complete it like completionist get everything that you need so I just like watched her play for like weeks and I just sat here like I I could never do this I would lose my mind there would yeah. be I would just be running in the sand screaming please tell me give me an objective <laughs> Yes. uh, Amazing. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of the show. Uh, You can find more about a lot of the things that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Don't forget to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.